So this is State Representative Padma Kufa here um, to speak with a close friend and mentor, Reverend Richard Peacock. Um, Rich and I uh, were the co-founders of the Troy Interfaith Group many years ago in 2005. And we stay in touch because we have interests um, in things around faith and politics. And so for our first episode of Faith and Politics, um, I'm here with Rich. Um, Rich, do you want to just uh, speak a little bit about how, you, um, how you're involved in, in activism? Well, first of all, I believe in interfaith work. I believe in ecumenical work. Uh, we need to work together as religions. There's not going to be peace in the world unless there is peace among uh, the religions. So that's a basic stance of faith that, that I have. I spend most of my time with Peace Action of Michigan, working to create a demilitarized uh, budget and to uh, abolish uh, nuclear weapons and to implement diplomacy first in international affairs. So th those are my hobbies now that I'm in retirement after uh, serving churches uh, for 35 years in United Methodism. And, and this is why um, I, I like to take the focus from, from the faith space where we both have worked on how we want to help others and how we want to bring people of different faiths together. I actually co-chair the House Breakfast Group with a colleague on the Republican side of the aisle where we uh, talk about our personal journeys and about our faith journeys as well. Um, but I want to talk also about legislation at the state level. I know that you're interested in, in national level legislation, but there's a lot of pieces of state level legislation that are uh, important and in, in motivated by my desire to help those in need. Um, they include my bill to protect vulnerable adults from online sexual predators, providing paid sick leave, something that the legislature gutted in 2018. Um, in Hinduism, the Sanskrit word seva means selfless service, and it's the underlying principle of my desire to help others. Can you speak to how your faith informs its devotees to help others and its practitioners to help others? There is a gas station company that has as its model, service is our business. I believe that applies to the Christian faith that I practice. In one of the speeches of Jesus about leadership, he says that uh, the Son of Man, that, that is probably referring to himself, came not to be not to be served, but to serve. So uh, we see in the uh, Jesus figure, uh, a very human man who came to, to uh, serve others. And that uh, was evidenced in, for example, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We serve each other. And I've been struck that uh, all the major world religions have some kind of a, a golden rule. It, it's a common denominator that helps us to uh, work with each other 
and, and to work in service. Another uh, key foundation for me is Jesus' emphasis on, on peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers. That uh, statement is the highest rung on the ladder of what we do. And so uh, peacemaking, uh, uh, turning the other cheek, which means uh, being in dialogue with others and working things out. Uh, the, the pursuit of shalom, which is also uh, called salam and, and shante and peace, uh, is crucial to all of our uh, religions. And that's where we, we find unity. Now, there is a parable about the Good Samaritan, the man who uh, crosses uh, ethnic lines to help uh, a wounded person of, uh, who's uh, totally different. And uh, that shows me that, that service is a very personal thing. At the same time, um, to extrapolate from the Good Samaritan story uh, means that we have to look at the system. What was the system that allowed uh, robbers to uh, work on that uh, road from Jerusalem to Jericho? Uh, wh where was the public safety system? So it, it's not just individual service uh, as in helping rescue an injured man, but, but it's also developing a system of, of, of safety. Uh, so that's, that's really, really uh, uh, crucial, and that's where uh, the legislative process is, is so important. Sometimes uh, uh, we uh, quote uh, the, the prophet to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an everlasting stream. And uh, that's easy to do. It's easy in a sense to be prophetic. But then when you get into the state legislature, you have to worry out the work out the irrigation system. And that can be very difficult. But that's why we need... Uh, lawmakers like uh, Padma and others who, who collaborate to, to work out the irrigation system so that justice uh, gets down to the uh, individual uh, level. So that's uh, some of the uh, foundation for uh, my action in interfaith work and in uh, politics. Uh, I hope that uh, we can serve uh, the common good so that uh, everybody gets served. There's never room for the other. We cannot other other people. We have to serve one another. That's my uh, position. Yeah, this is, this is something that I think resonates for me as a Hindu. We say that dasa dasa anudasa. So being a servant, the servant of God, is the highest service. Um, and the highest uh, reward. And so um, I think that there is a common thread and trying to find that common thread, no matter where uh, somebody lives in Michigan or where somebody comes from in terms of faith, I think that is a, a root cause of why many of us in the legislature are called to serve. Um, now, there's a lot of language that that is important just as uh the the role of the good samaritan and, and those of us growing up in the west understand that phrase um whether or not we're christian or um the idea that that um 
you know, that faith, hope, and love are the greatest of these, right? And those are things that we say um, as, as people use language around faith. But there's another phrase, especially in the legislature, um, that we use a lot, um, and I particularly use it a lot. We are robbing Peter to pay Paul to explain how we are keeping our state budget balanced. Um, because we, we do have constitutionally required, we are required to keep our state budget balanced. And um, I'm especially concerned because this policy, the tax policy that we have, um, it, and our legislative policies in general, they exacerbate income inequity. Um, I think of James 5.1, what are these robbing Peter to pay Paul and, and, you know, what James 5, 1, chapter 5, verse 1 says about the people who have great wealth? Um, what does that mean for people of faith? Is it a good thing that we're asking those who have less to pay more um, to sustain our roads, our cities, our schools? Because that is true. I mean, we, I'm now serving on the tax policy committee and I've discovered that people who make $102,000 or less bear about nine to nine and a half percent of the tax burden. Whereas those who make over $470,000 bear only about five to six percent of the tax burden um, in state and local taxes. And so what are we doing when we rob Peter to pay Paul and when we, we ask those to pay less, uh, to pay more when they are earning less? The problem of uh, income inequality, the problem of discrepancies in racial wealth is a huge problem. And we have to uh, redistribute uh, the, the, uh, all of the benefits that, uh, that we enjoy so that everybody uh, has equal uh, opportunity. We often say, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And then, well, uh, I wasn't given everything. I had to work hard. And that's uh, very, very accurate. At the same time, though, uh, a company, for example, was given uh, good streets, uh, traffic lights, uh, police uh, driving up and down the streets. Uh, nobody is uh, self-sufficient. Uh, nobody uh, makes everything on their own. Uh, there is an interdependence. And so the interdependence uh, means that uh, those who are fortunate to uh, become uh, uh, richer uh, have a special kind of neighborliness to help others who are, are still trying to uh, climb up the economic uh, ladder. So uh, government has to uh, aid uh, those who uh, are disadvantaged because of uh, where they live or their race uh, or, or various kinds of uh, handicaps. Um, and you, you point out uh, uh, very disturbing uh, the, of the unequal uh, tax burden. Um, I understand that uh, if you, uh, make more than $102,000 a year, uh, th that's the cap. You don't have to pay greater social security taxes. And I find that to be wrong. Uh, if, 
uh, Social Security would not be in any trouble if uh, every everyone paid uh, the fair amount on their on their income. Um, and uh, I know we're talking about uh, the the state uh, uh, level in terms of uh, taxation and so forth, but uh, Michigan gets, I believe, some 42% of its budget from the federal government. Uh, so uh, Social Security uh, is uh, national, it's, it's local, it, it's individual, and we have to, uh, you know, work, work, work that out. Um, I think that uh, we have a lot of work to do in terms of uh, tackling uh, those who uh, avoid uh, tax. Uh, I just saw uh, a newspaper headline today that the richest 1% uh, dodge taxes on more than 20% of their income. Uh, so that the national government uh, loses $175 billion. Uh, that, that's, that's not right. That's not honest and, and good. It's not fair. Uh, we need to uh, step up the funding uh, with the Treasury Department to uh, track down the, the tax fraud. Uh, the IRS ne needs to have sufficient resources to uh, gather in uh, what, what is appropriate. We, we, uh, we as human beings um, do have a bent towards uh, selfishness uh, to uh, helping our own, but, but we also have a bent to groupishness, uh, to uh, aiding the common good, um, helping the uh, general welfare, increasing uh, communities that, that, that flourish. Uh, so uh, the uh, fair and, and just uh, tax system uh, is, is crucial in, in Lansing and in Washington, D.C. I think you are so right that we put so much of our effort looking at what's happening in DC, but we have um, so much more that we could do right here locally. And, and that's, it's a combination of these two things that will allow, as you said, uh, justice to prevail. Um, because I think that is, that is an essential element of both our faiths. Um, the concept of dharma and the concept of justice are so closely related. So one of the, the things I want to bring up is that we also have in common in the Christian tradition as well as in the Hindu tradition um, a sensitivity to the creation. You know, the story of Noah and the ark, uh, the story of Genesis, um, the chapter of Genesis in the Bible. Um, is mirrored by stories of creation within the Hindu tradition. Uh, we also have a flood story and a boat and a fish um, and creatures and animals and, and uh, getting on the boat to be saved from, from pestilence, um, from storms um, that take over creation. And so creation care is really important to me. Um, when I was serving at, um, when I was not serving, when I, before I was serving in, in office, I actually took a course um, at the Ecumenical Theological Seminary in Detroit. 
And I remember learning about the Evangelical Environmental Network. And I know that you also um, have been involved in the issues around climate change. We're very fortunate in Michigan to have the world's largest freshwater ecosystem. And I know that you've also spoken about these issues and, and about addressing climate change and protecting our environment. And I know it comes from a, a sense of faith. And, and how, do, how do we call people to, to address the issue of climate change as one that is coming from a place of caring about creation? I will uh, begin by uh, referencing the uh, flood story, the Noah story. Uh, at first reading, it's, it's a very disturbing story uh, because uh, God uses violence to uh, flood the world. Um, and that's not the picture of uh, uh, the Holy One that, that uh, is accurate, I believe. Uh, but then, if you read the whole story, um, it turns out that uh, God becomes a peacemaker. And at the end of the story, uh, God puts a rainbow up in the sky. And in uh, ancient understandings, uh, that's uh, very profound. Uh, ancient people uh, believed that uh, uh, the gods... Uh, shot arrows and the arrows poked holes in the sky and when the those holes in the sky uh, came about then the rains came down or the hail or, or, or the snow and the ancient people saw this because they saw lightning and interpreted the lightning as the arrows of the gods who uh, punctured holes and created the flood but when God in the Noah story hangs up the rainbow, he is hanging up his bow as in bow and arrow. He is showing that he is not going to use a six shooter to uh, try to discipline humanity. He, he, God is one who will um, be at peace with the world. And, and that gives us then uh, a basic understanding that reality has to do with uh, peacemaking. Um, there is another story in uh, uh, Genesis that, that, that uh, pertains to creation care, and that's the story of uh, responsibility. Um, humankind is given the responsibility to name the plants and the animals. And to name something is to be responsible and to take care of it. I remember as a kid, uh, my cousins uh, lived on farms and uh, they would be given a steer that they could uh, uh, feed and take to the uh, county fair. And when my uncle gave my cousins a steer, uh, he would say to them, uh, this is your steer. Uh, you're mm -hmm. responsible for it, you name it. Mm -hmm. And to name it means that you take care of it. And so that applies to plants and animals uh, of, of this planet. Uh, we are responsible for naming and, and taking care of, of everything. And I would go so far to say that in Genesis, uh, 
it seems that job number one is creation care. It, it's stewardship. Uh, this, this earth is a, is a gift, and uh, we are uh, entrusted with that gift to uh, open it and to uh, use it wisely. Um, we learn from uh, uh, indigenous people that uh, we need to be conscious of what we do uh, for the next seven generations. Uh, I think that's important. Uh, we, we inherit a lot and we need to uh, pass it on uh, to uh, th those who will follow uh, after us. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, according to the psalmist. And so we have this caretaking uh, privilege and, and responsibility. Uh, human beings are, are those who are uh, conscious of this responsibility. And so uh, as we have evolved, uh, our job of uh, stewardship uh, is more important than ever. Um, I, I just, uh, read Bill Gates' uh, recent book on uh, climate crisis, and he begins by saying we have uh, two numbers to be conscious of. One number is 51 billion. There are 51 billion tons of greenhouse gases that we put into the atmosphere every year. The other number is zero. We have to get down to zero tons of greenhouse gases being put into the air. And so uh, Bill Gates goes through the book to give all kinds of ideas of, of how, to, uh, how to do this. Uh, in, in one chapter, he, he lists 18 new technologies that need to be developed, uh, things like... Uh, producing cement without producing uh, carbon, uh, producing steel and plastic uh, without producing carbon. So uh, we have a, a huge task ahead of us. Uh, and um, in, in Michigan, for example, um, we've, we've been recycling. And, and that's just one uh, other crucial part uh, of caretaking. So I think that uh, uh, all religions understand the uh, almost sacredness of, of earth and its resources. And so we need to use them wisely. Do you see um, the need though for us to find common ground? I know that we all agree creation is important, but uh, getting people to um, that common space that creation is important and then how we enact policy to protect creation. Um, I think that's still one of my constant struggles um, is, you know, when, when people don't necessarily believe that climate change is an issue, um, that this is the existential threat of our times, that our children will suffer if we don't take action now. Um, how, do we, how do we bring people to common ground to see that you know that science is relevant um, and and to inspire them to act to protect and to be good stewards 
There was a slogan that I uh, learned in the fall of 2020. The slogan is uh, respect science, respect nature, respect each other. And I think those are values uh, that provide uh, common ground for us. Um, we need to uh, use the best science available. And, and we need to understand that we cannot run roughshod over, over nature. And all of this has to do with respecting each other in the short run and in the long run. Um, I'm reminded of one of uh, Gandhi's sayings, uh, there's enough to go around for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. And so uh, we have this uh, interdependence in, in which we uh, need to uh, share the resources and we need to protect the, the resources. Uh, we are going to have major problems of climate refugees, uh, people uh, escaping uh, the hurricanes on the southern border, uh, people es escaping the wild fires in, in California. Uh, you know, the, the parts of the tropics are going to be so hot that uh, humans can't uh, live there. Uh, and that will create uh, refugees and probably conflict. Uh, so uh, we, we need to look uh, ahead. And that's in sometimes often difficult for the human race to uh, look uh, ahead to the next generation. But uh, it's a necessity uh, because we are all uh, connected to, e to each other. Uh, and so we have to have uh, a, a huge reliance on, on science. And you see, science starts out with a hypothesis and, and then it tests that hypothesis. And then that means a new hypothesis. So science is, is always improving, evolving, changing. And so we have to constantly be in tune uh, with the latest and, and best uh, knowledge that we have. Do you think, though, that um, as we look beyond the state of Michigan's borders um, at climate refugees from around the world, how about uh, people within our own state what happened in Flint or the water shutoffs in Detroit um, and the, the PFAS pollution all over, um, the re, the, not just in, in Oakland County, but around the state. Water is really critical to us. Water is, is such an in, incredible um, resource here in Michigan, but also um, a need. Um, as humans, we, we, during this pandemic, we encourage people to wash their hands to keep the, the germs away, but then when people don't have access to water, especially to clean drinking water, how, how terrible that is. So I think that your suggestion of respecting science, respecting nature, and uh, respecting each other, and respecting each other's needs, um, it's really something powerful. Um, thank you so much for joining me today as we ponder these, these issues um, of things in 
uh, politics that are impacted by our understanding of faith and how we can better serve as legislators and how we can better serve as, you know, volunteering is the ultimate exercise in democracy. So as people volunteer, find a cause, find a, uh, an idea or, a, or a, a place where you can have an impact. Um, I tell people always um, this, this idea of helping the other. Is, is so important to me and making sure that uh, it comes from a, um, from a desire to, to be a person of good faith. And it's good to be here with you, Rich. Um, thank you so much, Reverend Peacock, for joining me today for Faith in Politics. <laughs>